I want to see if my... Oh, should we have coffee, a little coffee? Well, we, we... I'm seated at the home of Mr. Small, Joseph Small. How can I describe this? It's in... Well, Mr. Small, you describe it yourself. We're in the town of Somerset, New Jersey. Why did you describe this, this city, this area? Well, Somerset is... Uh, is uh, in Franklin Township, is in the uh, central part of New Jersey, and it's a mixed community. And we have a very amicable group here. We have no <clears throat> no racial disturbances. My neighbor on my right is uh, white, and they're of Russian descent. And my neighbor on the black on the left is black, and we have no problems whatsoever. We get along very good with each other. We watch each other's property. We have uh, uh, sort of a watchman situation between us where I watch his property and he watches mine and any stranger that approaches either property is uh, approached right away by one or the other of us uh -huh. to know what they want and who are they looking for so we have a very quiet community here and uh, we get along fine and you call this, this a, a, we say a working class community primarily a working yeah. class community a working class community we have a daycare center up the street known as SCAP, that's the Somerset Community Action Program, and uh, the young children are constantly walking up and down the street. Mm -hmm. So we have a very close watch on traffic here, and we don't allow speeders on the street, mm -hmm. and uh, we get along fine. But this and thing in Simpson, it's a working class, that is, these are, because you realize I come from Chicago, where there was some difficult reasoning, we now have a black mayor. I'm happy to say, uh, but uh, very often we're told that blue-collar people, blue-collar whites, you know, anti-black. Here's a case where it's working out differently here in Somerset. Well, we have we have also a black mayor in Somerset, mm. and she's a woman. <laughs> I like <laughs> and that. And her name is uh, uh, Nancy Henry, uh -huh. and so far she's turned out to be a very good yeah. mayor. She's very capable. Mm -hmm. You said working, so naturally, at the work you do, you are uh, in business for yourself. Yes, I am a home repair contractor. I do repairs on home. Of course, I can build a home uh, from the ground up, but uh, since that involves quite a bit of capital, I just stick to home repairs, remodeling and repairing and so you, uh, additions. You, so so you're a carpenter? I'm a carpenter, a mason, electrician, a plumber, a painter, a paper hanger, uh, whatever. How did you <laughs> learn the craft, the various, the fundamentals? Well, my education was mostly trial and error. Mm -hmm. See, my father was a carpenter before me, but he was from the old school. Uh, he had no, uh, no electrical tools to work with. His, all his tools were hand tools. And he worked uh, primarily on the farm that we had at that time. This was in the south? No, it was right here in oh, right New Brunswick, here. right in New Brunswick. Oh, New Brunswick. And right in New Brunswick. We cultivated 80 acres mm -hmm. uh, of uh, truck farming over mm -hmm. in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. And I got the start in carpentry from him. And, of course, uh, I went into it myself, mm -hmm. and I liked it. Well, I like to work with my hands anyhow. And I became a, a carpenter, and then... The, uh, the other affiliated trades 
I picked them up along yeah, the way. Of course, we're leading naturally to your certain World War II experience. You're growing up and you learn it by yourself. Oh, one story about your father, I really must tell that. Uh, why, in a sense, the family left the South? That story. Well, this, this was handed down to me from my mother, but uh, according to what she told me, there was always racial strife in the South. And uh, he got in a situation there over a coon dog. A man, he had a coon dog that would jump the fence and get out and go chasing coons. And he treed the coons on another man's property, which happened to be white. And the man threatened to kill the dog. And one morning, my father came out, and the dog was missing. So he went to hunt the dog, and he found the dog on the man's property, shot. The dog was dead. So... He accosted the man and threatened to shoot him for shooting the dog. But the man talked until he got inside the house. He was on his front porch, and uh, he got inside the house, and then he started abusive language. And my father couldn't shoot him inside the house, so he shot his cow. <laughs> and uh, that was the uh, thing that started the whole situation, the, the Ku Klux Klan or the vigilantes or whatever you might call them, sought him for shooting this cow, and so he left us out. You, of course, I noticed quite obviously from the wall, you are a devoutly religious man. On the wall is the motto, all things work together for good to them that love God. And I notice outside in the yard or in the front is a large church bus. It says, what Bible way, I'm trying to make it out, Bible way church worldwide, worldwide Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, well, the other words I can't quite. Well, that, that is the address. Oh, the address. Of the church. So the church bus. And it's the pastor is Bishop William A. Clark Sr. And uh, we are affiliated with the Bible Way movement, where our headquarters is in Washington D.C. at 11:30 New Jersey why Avenue. Why is the bus uh, outside your house? Well, I, as a member of the church, I had the only facilities uh, large enough to to. Uh, parked the bus. And uh, I started the idea of a bus uh, about two years ago. And I realized, I recognized the necessity of having a bus because every time we went out, then we had to pile into cars, you know, and go. And so the Lord put it on me to get a, get a bus together. I got several of the men in the church and we pooled our uh, resources and we bought the bus. And I did the mechanical work on the bus. I put an engine in it. In fact, we, we paid $100 for the bus when we bought it, but the engine was bad. So I rebuilt the engine. You, you, you're also an auto mechanic. I'm also a mechanic. <laughs> I rebuilt the engine, and the engine didn't stand up. So then I bought another engine and installed it. So were you always, I know you're devout, were you always a devout religious man? No. No, I was uh, a man of the world until 1968. In 1968, I uh, heard the gospel preached in its fullness, and I heeded the word of God and was baptized in Jesus' name and tarried until I received the Holy Ghost. And now I am a man of God. Since 1968, I've been saved and uh, affiliated with the Bible Way Church in Trenton, New Jersey. Of course, it leads to uh, why we're talking now. The book I'm doing is about World War II. 
It's going to have hundreds of people in it, as all the books do. No, I'll have about a hundred in it, but I'm seeing about two, three hundred. Yeah. Unfortunately, some I won't be able to use, but I, I work as you do, trial and error. You obviously are going to be in it, there's no doubt of that, because this is an untold story. So we've got to start the beginning. So you're a young man, you're a young black man in, uh, living in New Brunswick. Uh, and uh, why don't you tell us World, how, World War II, how it began, how you got in it? Well, <clears throat> it started in 1943. I was, uh, as Mr. Turkle said, a young black man, and uh, I was working as a carpenter, and I was drafted. Now, uh, my being in the Navy was accidental. There were two of us. We were close friends. We both took our physical at the same time. His name, his name was, uh, oh my Lord, I can't think of his name. Anyhow, I'll think of it. <clears throat> uh, we took our physical at the same time, and we approached the, uh, the man that assigned us to our branch of service. <clears throat> and he said, uh, I can't send both of you. Incidentally, this was just about the time that the seven brothers uh, went down on one ship. Ah, the Sullivan brothers. That's right. There were seven of them on one ship, That's and the right. ship went down. They lost all seven of them. So then that prompted the service to bust up all families, mm -hmm. all close friends. Two close friends couldn't go in the same branch of service. And, uh, two brothers couldn't go in the mm -hmm. same branch of service. So the, the uh, recruiter said to me, said, Mr. Small, one or the other of you have to go in the Army. Because you were too close. We were very close friends. So... Uh, we couldn't decide which one it would be, so he just picked up a stamp and hit the paper, and it turned out Army. And my friend was ahead of me. So he went in the Army, and I went in the Navy. This was 1940. 1943 in so July. So the war's been on now for about a year, a little more than yeah. a year. 1943 in July. July, year and a half. Uh, I took my boot training in uh, Great Lakes, Illinois, and I left Great Lakes, Illinois as an apprentice seaman and I was shipped to Port Chicago, California, which was at that time a, a, a naval ammunition depot. It was segregated uh, to the point that no, none, nobody above petty officer was black. I mean, everybody above third class petty officer, in fact, was white. So that made uh, all of the working class, the munition handlers, was black. And we worked in that condition, uh, loading ammunition on ships bound for ports overseas. Now, can you yeah. describe? We know, of course, that uh, uh, black soldiers, black servicemen, were in what you call part of the labor battalion. Hardly yes. any were uh, up in front. I know, of course, I do have a tank group guy, but hardly. They were their work was what uh, doing menial work. That's right. We were ammunition handlers. We loaded. We offloaded ammunition from boxcars, and we loaded it on ships. Now, why don't you describe this work on the nature and what it was you loaded? Because this is going to lead to the thing. Well, we handled every type of ammunition just about that was being shipped overseas at that time, from uh, uh, 30 caliber uh, ammunition shell to a 500-pound bomb. We handled everything. It was supposed to be. When you say we, you mean these black. The black, the black sailors. sailors the black were, sailors. Their work was simply loading ammunition. Loading ammunition. I was an ammunition handler, 
until they discovered that I had the ability to operate a winch. I had no training in the winch operation, but uh, from close observation of the winch operator, I learned how to operate it. You were, I take it, a pretty fast learner and observer. Well, work, well yes, that has always been uh, with me. If I, if I watch somebody do something, yeah. I'll do it. I mean, if I watch a man operate a bulldozer, yeah. I may not have the fine points ironed out, but in a couple of hours, yeah. I can operate. I knew, I know you can. <laughs> I just think uh, just the way you are. But back to this work. You say you handled ammunition from small, small artillery to what's the big thing, to what? 500-pound bombs. 500-pound bombs. Now, these guys, the ammunition, though, were they... Any time they ever discussed the fact that this might be very dangerous? It was a constant discussion. In fact, we got in arguments frequently. Do you uh, do you want another chair? No, it's Are fine. You just right. great. Oh, don't stop now. You, you, just, right. you want to hold this? I'll tell you what. You can hold it. All right. We got in constant the discussion over the uh, the uh, danger of the work we were doing was constant discussion, and I personally uh, had several. Uh, altercations with my superior over the danger of what we were doing. But I always received an answer that if it explodes, you won't know anything about it. Oh, it was a joke, sir. It was a joke, that's right. We were pitted once, one against the other, division-wise. Uh, when you say we, you mean the different, you, you were divided into crews, is that it? That's right. We were divided into divisions, yes. I mean, and each division worked as a group. And, uh, uh, well, if a one division worked from 7 to 3, then another division came on from 3 to 11, and another division from 11 to 7. So this was around the clock? Around the clock. 24 hours 24 a day. hours a day. And I mean, how, well, well, let's, well, let's stick with that work on that. So you put in 7 hours a day, is that it? Yes, well, 7 hours a day of actual work. Yeah, yeah. of actual now, loading. Actual work, loading. Yeah. There was time allotted for transportation from the barracks to the docks. How far Same. was the barracks from the docks? About a mile. Okay. And, and the barracks are where the uh, black sailors... Yeah, that, that was our billet. And so seven hours of actual work dealing with ammunition. Yes. And then seven hours... Uh, this is every day? Every day. Every, every day. Every day. Every day. We had, we had uh, uh, time off on the weekends, maybe if we got liberty, we were granted liberty, we had time off. But a shift worked on a two-week basis, seven to three for two weeks. See what I mean? And then the shift was changed, what was later called a swing shift. And uh, if you worked seven to three for two weeks, then you went on three to 11 for mm -hmm. two weeks. Then you went on 11 yeah. to seven for two weeks. You see what I mean? And it was switched around that way. So see? you worked around the clock and now the the work, the work was handling this high explosives, the big ones to little ones. Would they come from a railroad car? How did that work? It came in. They came in on railroad cars, on box cars, and uh, there was a, a a rail, a track down the center of the dock. Uh, later, it it expanded to a track down the center. At that time, when we first got there, that the dock, the track was on one side of the dock. And we only loaded on one side. The ship was, was moored on one side. 
It later expanded to a ship on either side of the dock, ah. and the track was down the middle. So now there are two ships being loaded instead That's of right. one. That's right. That means more men, too, on that dock. More men. There's two divisions on each ship now. Ah, now, mm -hmm. and also you said, you said something about competition being fostered by the officers. Well... If one, uh, uh, let me uh, uh, set an example. Why if, you yeah, if I was, I was in Division 4, if my division put on uh, 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 3,000 tons of ammunition during our shift, then the next division had to beat that tonnage. The, and they were pushed by their officers to beat that tonnage. In fact, the officers bet between them as to what division would put on the most tonnage in any given length of time. Well, as you have in this uh, competition, which is really a speed-up, uh, didn't the men, the men at this time, say this may make it more dangerous? Oh, yes. 